Welcome to the Seacoast Vineyard Church podcast. We are a vineyard church located in Myrtle Beach, South Carolina, and we invite you to enjoy this message from God's Word. Good morning. How are we? We doing all right? Go, Jay! Yay! Woohoo! Okay, so um, if you're wondering how you do tithes and offerings in a back lot at a church, um, I've told you a bunch, but I'll tell you again. You can text 84321 down in the message. You can put a number amount and hit send, and you'll get some promptings. Or you can use the Church Center app. And if you're online, you can do the same thing. It works from where you are. So, um, yeah. Let's, um, and there are buckets around that you can move to and place offering there if you would like. Let me um, introduce myself. If you're visiting with us today, my name is Jay Elkins. I serve as Connections Pastor here at the church. Um, Tim is traveling uh, this week. And so about a month ago, he said, would you mind preaching while I'm out of town? And I said, sure, let's do it, right? Well, the topic was um, people who encountered Jesus, right? Ordinary people who encountered Jesus. And so... He said, what is it that you would preach on? And right out of my mouth said Mark chapter 5. I walked away thinking, that's a bad idea. Um, You'll see why in a minute. And then, um, it's not really, it's good. Um, But then I chewed on it, and I was like, no, 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 no. And then I said, you know what, that's it. Mark chapter 5, that's where we're going to land today. So um, if you are following along, there are some notes on the Church Center app. You can click notes there, and it'll take you over to the Bible app if you want to use the Bible app. But where we're going to be hanging out is in Mark chapter 5. If you want to get your um, Bible or your app on your phone, I'll give you a second to get there. Mark chapter 5. They went across the lake to a region of the Gerasenes. This is Jesus, the disciples, and those who are following. When Jesus got out of the boat, a man with an evil spirit came from the tombs to meet him. This man lived in the tombs, and no one could bind him anymore, not even with a chain. For he had often been chained hand and foot, but he tore the chains apart and broke the irons on his feet. No one was strong enough to subdue him. Night and day among the tombs and in the hills, he would cry out and cut himself with stones. When he saw Jesus from a distance, he ran and fell on his knees in front of him. He shouted at the top of his voice, What do you want with me, Jesus, son of the most high God? Swear to God that you won't torture me. For Jesus has said to him, come out of this man, you evil spirit. Then Jesus said to him, what is your name? My name is Legion, he replied, for we are many. And he begged Jesus again not to send them out of the area. A large herd of pigs was feeding on the nearby hillside. The demons begged Jesus, send us away among the pigs. Allow us to go into them. He gave them permission and the evil spirits came out and went into the pigs. The herd of about 2,000 in number rushed down the steep bank into the lake and were drowned. Those tending the pigs ran off, reported this in the town and countryside, and the people went out to see what had happened. When they came to see Jesus, they saw the man who was, had been possessed by the legion of demons sitting there, dressed, and in his right mind. And they were afraid. Those who had seen it told the people what had happened to the demon-possessed man and told about the pigs as well. Then the people began to plead with Jesus to leave their region. As Jesus was getting onto the boat, the man who had been demon-possessed begged to go with him. 
Jesus did not let him, but said, Go home to your family and, let, and tell them how much the Lord has done for you and how he has had mercy on you. So the man went away and began to tell in the Decapolis how much Jesus had done for him, and all the people were amazed. God bless the reading of your word. Holy Spirit, come. Give me your words on my tongue, hearts to hear, and ears to listen. So Jesus had been ministering in Galilee. He and the disciples and a crowd had been following, and they had been together in Galilee. He had done things like uh, heal a withered hand. There was another demon-possessed man, and he sent out the spirit. He sent it away. He freed the man. He had been doing all of these things. He had called the disciples. And then during that time, I could imagine this is what takes place. You know, because Jesus knows and has insight of what is happening because he's also God, right? And I can imagine while he is there in Galilee ministering, he could hear the cries of this man. Because scripture tells us that he would cry out day and night. And that he would bash himself with rocks. He could no longer be bound. And I can imagine as Jesus is going along doing his ministry, he would look over across the lake and he said, I'm going to get there. I'll be there. I'm going to get there. And as he would minister to the next people and he was teaching parables and he was teaching in the streets and people were following, he would look over the lake and he would say, I'm going to be there. I'm coming for you. I'm going to get there. I'll get there soon. He turns and looks at his disciples and said, all right, it's time. Let's cross the lake. So they get in the boats and as they're headed across the lake, what happens? A huge storm, windstorm comes up. Well, here's a beautiful picture. This is a little nugget, right? There's a beautiful picture of God, Jesus being fully God and fully man. They got in the boat, and as they were going, Jesus said, I'm going to lay down because I am tired, right? He went to the back of the boat. It says there was a cushion there in the stern of the boat, and he laid there, and he slept. This storm rolls up on them. And it's so fierce that the boat is threatening to break up. It's swamping the boat. They don't know what to do. And the disciples are panicked. And Jesus said, and they wake up Jesus. Are you not worried? Are you not afraid? Get up. Get up. So he gets up. He stands up. He does what? He rebukes the storm. The wind dies. The waves stop. The sea is a large lake. The Sea of Galilee goes calm. And the disciples were terrified because they said, who is this that could command the wind and the waves? They'd seen him do miracles. But who is this man that nature has to obey? Who is this? So then that brings us to the part where we step out of the boat and immediately this man comes. I'm going to throw a question out there. Turn to somebody sitting with you or just chew on it for yourself. We won't hang out long on it. But was there ever a time in your life you needed someone to intervene for you? So what we've been doing in the back lot is if we're with somebody, we'll turn. If we're solo and we're sitting together, just ponder that question for a minute. It's a-okay. You don't have to get up and move. But just take a second. Was there ever a time in your life you needed someone to intervene for you?
Now, here's an uncomfortable portion of this passage, right? We have to take a look at the obvious. We have to address the obvious that there is evil present and it wants our worst. It wants our destruction, right? The enemy, Satan wants to destroy us. This man had been bound and chained and the people would bind him so that he would not harm himself. He would not harm others. And so there would be some way to relate or connect to him, right? It no longer worked. There were so many demons on him that it no longer worked. And he was away in the tombs. This was a man who was barely alive, living among the dead, essentially. The enemy had nothing but torment and torture planned for this man. And that's what we see there. First Peter says it like this. First Peter 5, 8 says, be self-controlled and alert. Your enemy, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion looking for someone to devour. Resist him. Stand firm in the faith because you know that your brothers throughout the world are undergoing the same kind of suffering. Well, what we know is we have a way for deliverance, but this man had none. This man was bound, shackled, breaking it, living among the dead, and he had no no deliverance. Jesus comes on the scene, and immediately they come. Now, here's something that's interesting about this whole thing is because as I was praying and reading it, I don't see this guy as even able to move himself towards Jesus to get the help. Right? I see this guy as like a bag of bones, And the demons are doing with him as they will. And they throw him at the feet of Jesus. And they begin to confess who Jesus is. Now, why would they do that? Why would they come and surrender? Because they recognize who Jesus was. He's the Son of God. And they begin to plead, don't torment us. Don't do to us what we've been doing to this man. What we deserve, don't give it to us. Please, because you can. Okay, so I want to clear something up. This next portion is not a negotiation. These demons were not on the same playing field or level as God, as Jesus. When they said, don't send us away, and this whole name of, what is your name? My name is Legion, because we're me. Jesus knew that. But who didn't know all these details? All the people around. The people that are witnessing the disciples. And as they're pleading and begging to go, he sends them and he says he gives them permission to go into the pigs. Now, as I was preparing and reading and planning for today, a lot of people get caught up and hung up on this whole idea that the pigs would die. Well, yes, it's not wonderful that all those pigs were lost. The big thing here is that Jesus allowed the world to see in full view what the enemy's intent for us is. He allowed the magnitude of what was taking place inside this man to be turned outward and spilled out on God's creation. And it was demonstrated in front of everyone that this enemy that we have has nothing but destruction and death 
planned for us. 2,000 pigs. Legions means thousands. So that was the magnitude of what was taking place. The beautiful thing is, is when Jesus came on the scene, the man was delivered. Christ intervened for him when he had no hope. He was bound. He was outside of his ability to do anything. And Christ intervened. See, I think sometimes we think of Christ as um, kind, which is true, generous, loving. And I think sometimes we end up with this grandfatherly type idea of who Jesus is, right? The grandfather you could go hang out with and you could sit with. You could tell stories and he would tell you stories. He would get you things. A piece of candy mom and daddy wouldn't give you. That kind of thing. But listen, this passage says there's a whole other side of Christ. This passage says that Christ has the power and authority to free you and me. That's your takeaway from this first section. If you're following along, Christ has the authority to free you and me. There are things sometimes that we wrestle with, and I wrote these down because I felt like God was saying, say these things specifically in preparation today. So I'm going to read them if that's all right with you. There are things we wrestle with. I feel like we have a few specific things God wants to say today. Maybe you are battling an addiction. Maybe you have something in your life that you cannot seem to put down and in your own strength that is impossible. Jesus says, give yourself to me. I have the authority and power to set you free. Maybe you feel like life is kind of pointless right now. And you're not really sure if you want to keep going. You're not really sure if this is really worth living. Jesus says, child, I love you. And there is so much more to this life than right now. I can set you free. Maybe fear and anxiety are dominating in your life right now. Jesus says, I'm here. I hold your future. Give yourself to me. If you were in any of those things, maybe something else came to mind as I was reading those things. Christ says, I am here to set you free. There's another portion of this whole thing that we have to uh, take a look at is the disciples. Now, in their whole um, being with Jesus and hanging out with him and all, and they get into the boat. Stand and know Jesus. They began to have a relationship with him and trust him. But the really interesting thing for me back in chapter four See, it's not broken up in the original text. It's just broken up so we can get it. 
So think of chapter four and chapter five. Like if you're having a conversation with a friend today and then tomorrow you see each other and you start chatting and talking, you just pick up where you were, right? It's not like you have to start fresh. You start new. And so between chapter four and five, there's just a break to help us read it. But there's really no break because they were on the boat together. They get off the boat together and they keep moving. And so in chapter four, at the at the end of chapter four, when Jesus calmed the storm, they're looking at each other saying, who is this man? Who is this man? They were terrified. I'll give you a little bit longer, but here's a question. Has God ever done something that scared you? Has something ever happened in your life that you know God was working in it and it scared you? See, these men had given up their lifestyle. They had given up everything to follow Jesus. And yet they still encountered parts of Jesus that was scary. Because it was outside of their control and they didn't understand it. And I think we can find ourselves in that place sometimes. I think we can even be people who are walking with Jesus and encounter scary seasons. Things that we don't understand. Things that wreck us internally. They just shake us. Tim talked a couple weeks ago about grief. Right? That's scary. That is not something we just want to walk into or go through. But it doesn't mean because we're experiencing that we're not walking with Christ. It just means that he is so much bigger than we understand sometimes. And he's got bigger plans than we can see. See, here's the takeaway from this area if you're following along. I came to thinking about the Chronicles of Narnia this week. And in that, um, The Lion, the Witch, and the Wardrobe, there's Lucy, who's the youngest sister, and Mr. Beaver, and they're having a conversation. And Aslan is the lion in the story. He's ferocious, fierce, powerful, passionate, protective. And Lucy looks at Mr. Beaver and said, I'm really nervous about meeting Aslan. Is he safe? And Mr. Beaver says, safe? No, child, he's not safe. But he is good. Our Jesus is not always safe, but he is good. We can trust the work that he is doing in our lives. No matter where you find yourself, no matter what questions you have, you can trust that he's got something good. Because that's who he is. That's a part of his character. It's interesting because all th- the reason it came to mind is all throughout this passage, fear is written all over it. 
The de demons are fearful. They're terrified. The disciples are afraid. The crowd that we witness at the end is afraid. It's interesting. All of this, they're all players, but they're circling around one man, Jesus. And they're witnessing him and his authority and his power. But what was it that brought him across the lake? What was it? His love. See, that's what's beautiful about Jesus. Is that his authority and power and all of those characteristics are balanced perfectly with his love for you and me. His love for that man brought him across the lake. His desire to see that man free brought all of his character, his authority, and his power. And it's the same thing that draws him to you today. It's his love for you draws all of it. Is he safe? Oh, child, he's not safe, but he is good. I think we have to be careful not to place Jesus in a box, you know, where we come relate to him on Sunday, where he gets our time for a few minutes in the morning or in the evening or whenever we give it to him. When we encounter this Jesus, it reminds us that he is worthy of our every minute. He is worthy of our days. He's worthy of our nights. He's worthy of all of it. And the reason we give it to him is not because we tremble in fear, but it's because he is good. And I encourage you, if you have been walking with Christ and you still feel like you have seasons and you feel like life is hard, it's okay. The disciples had that and they were with him in person. It's all right, but he's good. The other folks that we have to take a look at is the crowd. Here's the question. Have you ever been afraid to ask God something because of what it might cost you? Like you actually want it. You actually want to see God do something in your life, but it might shake things up a bit. It might make things a little uncomfortable. So you're afraid to ask. It might cost you something. And those people who were hanging out there experienced this. They saw how Christ had freed the man and how the pigs had died and it cost them something. They were more worried about being afraid of what took place than seeing what God had done in the man. And I think we can do that same thing. I think we can be more worried about what it might cost us physically than seeing God really move among us. Because it might make us uncomfortable. It might require something of us more than we want to give. And that's what these people did. They said, Jesus, you got to go. This is too much. I can't handle this. This is way too much for me today. They said, we are afraid you've got to go. So in that portion, if you're seeing the crowd, here's the thing. Here's the takeaway. Jesus said it back in chapter 4. He said to the disciples, 
What are you afraid of? Do you still have no faith? And Jesus is calling us to that now. He's saying, what are you afraid of? Do you still have no faith? Do you still not see that I am good and I love you? And it is my love that draws me to you, but my power and authority can set you free. If the worship team would come, I just have a few closing thoughts and we're going to worship together. If you showed up this morning and you have something where you feel like you're bound, like you just haven't been able to let it go. This morning, we're talking about a Jesus that's here and he offers himself to free you. If you find yourself walking with Christ today, but you're still unsure of seasons and you're not really sure what this, this, this is about right now and it's uncomfortable, Jesus said, I'm here for that. Trust me. See, what the disciples did that I think we have to do is they got back in the boat. Right? They were totally afraid. They came across the water with Jesus. They were afraid of what he did. They got out of the boat. They saw him do even more miraculous things. And they chose to get back in the boat with him and keep going. Because eventually they look back and they see a trail of goodness behind them. That is what God's offering. He said, just stay with me. Just walk it out with me. Stay with me. You'll see. And if, you've, if you find yourself in the crowd and you never really have given yourself over to Jesus, today's your day. Because is he safe? No. But he is oh so good. And he has your best in mind. So wherever you are, now is your chance to respond. Because I am offering you the freedom that we see in this passage. I'm offering you Christ this morning. I'm saying to you, take it, be free. Be free to walk in wholeness and fullness. Because Christ is offering it. Just give yourself to him. Thanks for listening to the Seacoast Vineyard Podcast. We are a vineyard church located in Myrtle Beach, South Carolina. And you can learn more about us by visiting seacoastvineyard.com. If you need prayer, you can call us or email care at seacoastvineyard.com. If you feel called to support us financially through a one-time or recurring gift, please click on the Give tab at our website or text any amount to 84321 and follow the prompts.